Revenge is a way for me to get back. When you can see in the justice system that justice lacks. <laughs> okay, you give me your… You say something about revenge. Freestyle on revenge. I will not because I know you're going to put it in there. So I'm just going to be quiet. Come on, Chris. Ah, that water was cold. Cold. Like revenge. Hey, is babe, best after served. this, can we listen to Beyonce? We can. Okay. Hi and welcome to the Happy Project Podcast. My name is Becky Better Watch Your Back. I'm going to get back at you. And sitting right next to me is Cedric Sky Setti. He's out for some revenge. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you're listening to the Happy Project Podcast. I was trying to keep my cool. I was trying to (laughs) not to laugh. I don't know how you come up with that. Like Um, on the spot. Off the dome piece. I just think of something that's not very cool to say and I just say it. Yeah. No shame. Well, Cooks. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard this quote before? Not forgiving is like drinking rat poison and then waiting for the rat to die. Uh, no. I don't think I have. Have you ever heard this quote? Revenge. The sweetest morsel to the mouth that ever was cooked in hell. Dang, no. Oh. It's Have you like ever that. heard this quote? My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. No, but I feel like um, it's similar to that one quote. And I don't know what movie it's from. You dirty rat. I only know that quote because it was a reference that the Ninja Turtles made in I think the first or second movie. And it's like, you dirty rat. You killed my brother. And I, I assume that whoever said that killed Whoever he was saying Wait that to. Wait a minute. If this was in the Ninja Turtles, then this is referring to the rat guy. No, no. I think they were just trying to make a reference to like an older movie or it something. It sounds like so, a quote from a gangster film. Yeah, probably. Anyway. <laughs> today we're talking about <laughs> revenge. Sorry you had to listen to that. Revenge. You were full of quotes, by the way. Uh, yeah, only quotes about revenge. Revenge. That's it. Everything else, no other quote. Just mm. quotes about revenge. You have a little revenge in your heart yes, boiling up? That's absolutely it. Yeah. And so to get rid of these feelings of vengeance that I carry around with me every day, I watch movies about revenge to get some catharsis. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you're the only one that does that. I feel like this whole country that we're living in does that as well. Whoa. Hey, that was a really good… <laughs> Tie into I was trying. today's topic. I was trying. Cooks. Nice. Well, today we're talking <laughs> about revenge in Korean films. Mm. I guess not just films, but just in the, the culture itself. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I guess the films was the inspiration though for us to choose this topic today. That's right. Mm. Yeah. I have a question for you. Yeah. How many Korean movies would you say you've watched? Like overall, generally. Well, let, let me pull out my list I keep of every Korean movie I've ever watched. <laughs> keep in tally? I don't know. I mean, I think I've seen a fair few. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell you exactly how many. Yeah, I mean, I could probably count on one hand how many I've watched. Yeah. I haven't watched a lot. Okay, how many have you? Which ones? Let's see. Um, I think like <laughs> three or four. That's it? Yeah, I mean, definitely Parasite. Of course. Um, and then years ago, I watched Train to Busan uh-huh. when it first came out. Wait, I thought you didn't watch it. No, I watched it. I watched it in Jersey. What? Mm. I said I wanted to watch it and you said you didn't want to watch it with me. <laughs> I didn't say that. I don't think I responded <laughs> to it. No, I watched it. Um, and then what was the what was the other movie that we watched? Um, <laughs> that we watched yeah, together? We, yeah, we watched… Well, we watched Parasite together. Yeah. Um, and then, oh my gosh, it, it was that one movie we did the podcast on. Oh, 엽기적인 그녀. Or 엽기적인 yeah, 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 yeah. 그녀, right? Yeah. My Sassy Girl. Uh-huh. So we watched that together oh, that actually funny. in preparation for the podcast. Yeah. You watched it before, but yes. that was my first time watching it. And then I might have watched one or two others. Yeah. And that's it. Wow. You're missing out. Yeah. I mean, I was more of a drama guy if I did, then you, you know, de- partake oh, of… Oh, Korean dramas. Yeah, I see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Korean films are so interesting and different than what you see in Hollywood. Right. I've never been a Korean drama girl. I've been more about the movies. Because the filmmaking, it's just… Yeah, Korea has a good history 
of some very incredible films. And you can definitely see during certain eras which films were really popular, right? Which era was, for example, like gangs. There was like, what was it called? Chingu, like friends. Mm -hmm. That was such a popular gang film. And then there was like the series of gang films. And then of course, in I would say the early 2000s, 2010s, were the spate of revenge films that came out. And uh, I guess what we're trying to say is that film and cinema and art can reflect what a society at large is feeling. And maybe this is why revenge films are so popular here or so well-known. That's right. So I think a big part of this is going to be us theorizing, but I think it's based in a lot of research that makes sense. (laughs) As opposed to us just BSing, you know? (laughs) Right. Oh, whatever. Yeah. yeah. No, this is this is going to be an intriguing episode, I think. Yeah, this was fun. I, I Honestly, it started because some years back, it was Jay. If you guys are some of the original listeners of the podcast, Jay was the other host Shout here. Shout out to Jay. He actually brought it up first. He was like, you know, we should talk about why there are so many revenge films in Korean cinema. I was like, what? That's crazy. No, there's not. But there is. And it's not even just amongst Korean films. If you look at best revenge movies ever made, mm-hmm. Korea is always in the top of those lists of some of the best revenge films. Not even just made in Korea, but ever. Yeah. Which is kind of nuts to think about. Yeah, that is. That is. I mean, I've actually seen uh, some of the films that we're going to mention later on in the episode. I've seen that in a lot of the filmmaking type of channels that I watch Mm -hmm. that always mention different films for different reasons. And Mm -hmm. those films do pop up. Yeah. 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 Okay, well, I think first, let us set the groundwork here. Okay. What is revenge? Ooh. So there are a couple of different definitions uh, of revenge. Uh, One can be to inflict punishment in return for injury or insult. Mm -hmm. So for example, if you were to be injured or insulted by somebody, it's obviously you inflicting punishment for that injury or insult. Right. Yeah. And then also it means to avenge or seek vengeance to repay back. So it doesn't always have to be in this terms like physical punishment. No, no. But something that inflicts some sort of harm or it could be at the same level that harm was inflicted to you or maybe even more. Which is an interesting idea of saying like getting even and equal. And we'll explain this a little bit later why revenge, of course, is a never-ending cycle. Right, right. And also to get justice Mm. for what was done. Yeah. Either personally or maybe on a grand scale. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I was in my flow. I'm sorry. Uh, Yeah, to get justice or to deliver a message. That was something I found interesting. Mm. Because sometimes, I guess if you really think about it, you can't really exact out perfect justice. Right. It's almost almost impossible to get perfect justice, Mm -hmm. right? Even if you're not doing it on a personal level or relying on a system. We know that perfect justice doesn't really exist. So sometimes maybe it's just to deliver a message. Like, I got back at you just to make sure everybody else knows, don't cross this line. Right. It's kind of like that scene in The Godfather, Right. I don't want to spoil it, but I mean, it's that scene where… Spoil uh, it. It's been out for like 50 years. (laughs) I know, but I didn't watch it until what? A year ago? That's true. Yeah. So it's kind of like that scene of uh, when that movie director, the famous movie director, Mm -hmm. he woke up with uh, Mm -hmm. his horse head. Yeah. yeah. That was like delivering a message. Exactly. Wow. That Mm -hmm. was great. Yeah. So that just popped in my head. Yeah. Because it's not really getting back at the director. I mean, it is because he suffers some kind of pain at the loss of his horse. But it's more delivering a message to him. Mm -hmm. Like… This is what you're going to get if you cross that line again. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that's how all the gangsters sounded like back in the 50s. <laughs> so <laughs> we know what we're talking about. Mm. But yeah, revenge is, is the act of uh, retaliating against a person or group in response to a perceived wrongdoing and the attempt at some cost or risk to oneself to impose suffering upon those who have made one suffer. And that was something I pulled from an article or a study called A Meta-Analysis of Cultural Differences in Revenge and Forgiveness, which I recommend you reading. You can find it online. That was uh, very useful for getting a lot of information here. But okay, so let's talk about then some cultural factors for some societies to seek revenge rather than in others. And we'll slowly, slowly, slowly narrow it down to Korea. But I think it's important to look at revenge not as just some kind of overarching, enormous feeling that every single person feels in the exact same way. It is filtered through the lens of cultural differences. And some societies might be more inclined to accept or seek revenge as opposed to others. Right. 
So if you check out the same uh, article that we just referenced, um, there is something known as the power distance index. Mm -hmm. And the PDI uh, is the degree to which less powerful members of organizations or in this context of a culture, a country, Mm -hmm. uh, accept that power is distributed unequally. Right. Yeah. So we all know, uh, well, most of us, at least that Korea is a very like hierarchical uh, type of society. based in Confucianism. And so there are different levels or if you want to look at it like classes, Mm -hmm. there are in terms of positions in society. And so there is a clear uh, display of power in Korean society. I mean, all the way from the home to like the actual government Mm -hmm. and how Korea runs. And so uh, I think it's no secret that Korea has this disbalance of power when you look at it like that. Because for example, if I'm uh, if I'm your oppa, mm-hmm. right? I'm clearly older than you. There is, in 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 theory, there is this sense of me having a little bit more power. Yeah. I used to do this with uh, my best friend who is a year younger than me. Like we were very, <laughs> like he's Korean, Korean American, but like um, <laughs> I would oftentimes to my advantage, pull out the uh, hyung card. Yeah, I'm your hyung. You shouldn't talk to me like that. Right. And usually he makes fun of me and stuff like that. But when I pull out that card, it's almost like something switches in his brain. It's like, oh, okay, you got yes. me. You yeah. know what I mean? So there's this clear display of power in a country like Korea. More than just a display of power, mm-hmm. but a high PDI country like Korea, it's not just the display of power. It's protecting those different levels of power. Mm. So it's like, I recognize that you're higher than me and I recognize that I'm lower than you. And instead of trying to dispute that or insist that we're equals, this culture and context protects the fact that we have a power disbalance and makes sure everyone knows this is your place and this is my place. Right. And you there, can't do anything about it. You can't challenge that. Yeah. Yeah, because it's just built in society. And if you do challenge it, then there's there's some sort of repercussion that's going to happen to you yes. or some sort of shaming or you're just going to be outcasted. Exactly. Yeah. You are totally right. Uh, it states here in that article that high PDI cultures, which would be like Korea or the Philippines, they accept that power is distributed unequally. So that would mean revenge is a more necessary strategy because in low PDI cultures, power relations are more democratic. Mm-hmm. It's more equal, right? But if it's if somebody who is a higher position than you commits a crime against you, their power is protected simply by being in this hierarchy. So right. you would need to take personal justice, which is revenge because the structure is not going to protect you. It's protecting the power separation. Yeah, which is why a lot of times people in positions of power can get away with so much stuff, especially here in Korea. But this this is not just, you know, to Korea. But um, yeah, just because this is what we're talking about. And I've seen it firsthand, just the abuse of power. Yeah. Yeah, even in, for example, the workplace. Like the boss can get away with so much stuff because it's the boss and you can't really touch that or challenge that. Yeah. Um, and good luck getting, you know, any sort of retribution or Mm. like, you know, even the law on your side. Mm -mm -mm. But, um, yeah, so that is one example of a high PDI country. Um, I guess that, that power disbalance displayed. Right. Yeah. Uh, another cultural impact could be, is your country a masculine culture or a feminine culture? Uh, and so what they describe masculine culture is uh, it's a culture that prioritizes ego goals. So that would mean it's very competitive, uh, ambition focused, the accumulation of wealth. Feminine cultures would more value social goals, relationships, and quality of life. And I think it can get confusing here because you might be like, well, Korea is very, you know, lots about keeping the relationships and the social status, but it's not necessarily about the quality of life. Mm-hmm. Korea is very much competitive and very much ambition focused and very much about you have to achieve these certain status markers of success in order to have any kind of power in this country. So I would say Korea is definitely more high masculine culture. Yeah. And let's bring up another concept. Uh, it's actually another index, which is called the uncertainty avoidance index. And mm-hmm. that is the level of a country's tolerance for ambiguity. Which sounded very ambiguous when I read that. <laughs> right, right. So let's get a little specific and define that a little more. So uh, so basically like specific rules and regulations are in place to decrease the occurrence of surprising and unexpected situations. Mm-hmm. There's basically like a framework in which you just have to abide by. Yeah. Uh, people who are uh, who place more value on predictability 
and certainty might be a little bit more focused on retribution or justice in order to maintain their view of the world, to maintain uh, that lack of ambiguity. Yes, Mm. this is very clear. Uh, In in Korea, of course, course we're bringing it back to Korea because we're talking specifically about Korea. But you might notice this in other countries or cultures that you're a part of. But uh, when people need… They, they can't handle the the ambiguity or the, the lack of structure. These kind of cultures will have structures or systems in place, i.e. our hierarchy or power system levels here, um, in order to, to keep the view of the world. And so if you're trying to keep things in the right structure and then something happens to you outside of the norm, outside of that structure, then you might want to seek revenge mm-hmm. so that it can conform back to the norm, right? right? You might have a sense of unsatisfied justice when the system fails to make it back into the norm. Right. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a a smaller example or a a example on a lesser scale. Uh, For example, like if you have a company that's very strict and they have rules and guidelines and uh, you need to be on time. You Mm. need to clock in by nine o'clock. If you're a minute late, then that's not cool. So like if all the coworkers are going there and they're clocking at 855, 857, I work for places like this, Mm -hmm. um, but someone comes in at 901, 902, it's almost like because of that culture, Mm. uh, that work culture, the people who are constantly early, they're like, wait, something needs to happen to the person that was late. You need right. to have some sort of punishment or, you know, doctor right, pay or right, something. Right, exactly. Right, versus maybe you have like a startup, right? That's a little bit more lax and it's more of a like, you come in when you come in, just make sure you do your work and yes. get your work done. Like there isn't that ex- same expectation. Yeah. And if someone does come in later than you, it's like, okay, whatever. You know, they mm. come in and, you know, as long as they get their work done and everyone's cool, mm-hmm. right? Everyone's happy. So it's sort of, I guess, on a lesser scale, how you can compare the two. Mm-hmm. That's a really good mm-hmm. example that has nothing to do with revenge. So I think it makes it easier to sure. understand. Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit more practical everyday exactly. um, scenarios for us. Yeah. And so it was saying that people who have a, a level of uncertainty, avoidance in a culture, it can impact the desire for revenge. Mm-hmm. You want to exact out justice because you feel wronged. Right. Like you didn't stick to the way things are supposed to go. Yeah, you didn't stick to the law right. or the rules. The law. Yes. So what might make a person seek revenge instead of just let it go, <laughs> let it go? Right. <laughs> that was that was awesome. So so people who are more vengeful tend to be those who are motivated by power, or by authority, and also the desire for status. Yeah. So in other words, they don't want to lose face. And I was just thinking like at the most basic level, Korea, because of the level of hierarchy uh, and and the displays of power, the, I guess, the intrinsic power that's built into the culture, this is the case for mm. Korea, mm-hmm. right? So there, you know, you could see that vengeance, yeah. uh, that tendency to want vengeance because you're motivated by power and authority. And if that is challenged, then you want retribution. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I think it is really important when we're focusing on revenge in terms of Korean culture is to understand revenge not as an act of exacting justice, but as an act of regaining power. Right. That suddenly shifts the idea of revenge because it's not necessarily, I'm angry, you did me wrong, I'm getting justice, which you might see, you know, in gunslinging films or the Maverick Cop, right? That might be something you'd see more in Western media. But in Korea, if you understand revenge in the terms of seeking your power after somebody took it from you, then suddenly it makes a lot more sense when you recognize this high, this power index that's going on here and this hierarchy and status and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. So this study from American Psychological Association uh, did a study with 150 university students, and uh, they could see that students whose answered showed a deference to authority and respect for traditions and social dominance had the most favorable opinions about revenge and retribution. And it follows up that an American student might be more likely to seek revenge on someone who impinges on her right to voice an opinion, right? Oh, you mm-hmm. stepped on my freedoms my personal freedoms, right? You you cut me down in some way. That person might seek revenge. Whereas public criticism that embarrasses a Korean student in front of his or her friends might be more likely to trigger revenge feelings. So that says something about the collectivistic idea. Sure. In front of everyone else. It's the shame. You shamed me in front of everybody. Then you'd be more likely to seek revenge. Right, right. And speaking of collect- collectivistic cultures, mm-hmm. um, so when you shame uh, 
like if if someone gets an element of shame or if they feel like they are shamed, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't just impact them. It impacts the whole group yeah. because it is collectivistic. So for example, if you get injured in some way, not necessarily physically, but like your ego or mm-hmm. whatever, something happens to you. It's not just you that's affected. It's okay. You mess with my boy, you know, mm-hmm. you're messing with me mm-hmm. type of thing. Right. It's more, con- the way they said it, it's more contagious mm-hmm. in collectivistic cultures. Revenge is more contagious, which mm-hmm. I thought was actually a, a great way to describe it. Yeah. So in terms of this, revenge is more contagious than collectiv- in collectivistic cultures, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we can see that today playing out in Korea. For example, like all of the poisonous online comments that people leave. Mm-hmm. There are celebrities who literally kill themselves over so like wave of negative comments that people get online right. bullying um, or the collective hatred of a celebrity, which we can see rather recently with the Sam Chidi incident, right. right? It's like, oh, you said something about these kids in Korea, this high school. So everybody's going to jump on and hate you too. Right. And of course, I mean, that's a lot more nuanced than what we just said right here. But we can see how in a collectivistic culture, it's far more likely that people are going to jump on together, right? To attack, to get, to seek revenge in some way. Sure, sure. Vengeance is a search for justice, but it splits into two kinds of justice. Mm-hmm. You have internal justice, which is more of the personal form. And that's basically formed by our own like upbringing, life experiences, yeah. and how we view life. And then you have external justice, which is essentially like dis- decided by the laws or the rules that we live under to maintain just that social decorum, mm-hmm. right? So together, they're both necessary to help us identify right from wrong. Yeah. But sometimes they do conflict. That's right. Yeah. Like, yeah, you you have your, your sense of personal justice. You have your idea of what should get, be given to someone as a punishment, right? Everyone has that idea, but yeah. it's not always going to match what the system, overarching system, the laws of the country, it's not always going to match that. Right. Yeah, and I'm I'm constantly um, amazed. I guess I'm coming from a Western American point of view as well, mm-hmm. but um, I, I'm constantly online uh, on Facebook, for example, and I'm following uh, different like Korean news publications that are geared towards, I guess, foreigners or expats. Uh, it's all in English, but whenever I'm tracking like different um, cases that. Uh, maybe someone does something and they they go to court and they get their punishment. Mm-hmm. It always seems like, at least from my perspective, that the the severity of their punishment does not match their crime, mm-hmm. at least from my perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people feel that way when I read the comments. Is like, you know, you have this person that did, and I'm, I won't get into details, but you have this person that committed this level of crime. Mm-hmm. In my mind, they deserve 30 years or life, mm-hmm. but they're getting like, maybe three or four years, you know, in jail and then they're out. Yes. So I think for me, that causes a sense of, well, this isn't just, Mm -hmm. right? So I'm I'm offended and I I think it should be worse. But the external justice is like, no, this is what they're going to get. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And personal justice, it lives inside the external justice society. Mm -hmm. So you can see which one has more, I guess, use the term more power than the other, right? And if you feel like you don't have a voice in creating that external justice, if you're kept at a distance from writing that, then you can feel extreme frustration. This is what we see in countries where they feel like the democratic process is not respected. You feel your personal sense of injustice. It's like, wait a minute, I don't have a voice here. I can't speak up. And that's where you can see like in societies where the people rise up, they broil over because they're kept at a distance from having their voice being heard when it comes to seeking justice. And that kind of frustration grows inside you and that can turn into kind of vengeance. That's right. Right. And, you know, if you look at that, then this really makes sense why Korea might love revenge. Because not only on individual levels of factors that people face here, but Korea historically and over, you know, when you look at it in a geopolitical sense, Korea has been a powerless nation for quite a long time. Right. Yeah. And we'll get more into that. Let's head over to some of the top revenge movies in Korea and maybe even the world. Okay. Sounds good. Now, like I said, I haven't watched uh, many of these movies. So we're going to mention four movies here and we'll give you the overview of what they're about without giving you any spoilers, just to give you a chance to watch if you are crazy enough to <laughs> if you're crazy watch some enough of these, to watch these <laughs> intense yeah. movies. But um, yeah, so we'll give you an overview and I think I'll let Becky do that. Since she's, I, You've watched all of these, right? That you're about to mention? No, 
but I know the whole synopsis. Okay. Yeah, you tend to read I know, everything I just, about This movies. is the thing. I feel like it ruins my movie experiences. But actually, no. I take <laughs> that back. I like knowing like the whole backstory and everything. Yeah. And then I can appreciate the story. But anyhow, no spoilers. Don't worry. Okay. You want to introduce the first one? Okay. Old boy. <laughs> you feel like there's a big space between those. Old space old boy. No, old boy. boy. Yeah. Did you know about old boy? No, I've seen… So I've seen it mentioned, like I said, when I'm watching like different filmmaking channels. Yeah. Like this movie is always mentioned because there's that one iconic always. fight scene. Yeah. yeah. You know that was taken awesome. in one take. Yeah. Just yeah, it was a one, one take. one take. I mm-hmm. think they went through it. How many times did they do it? I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah. They, they went through that many, many times. Very, very well choreographed, yeah, I would say. Absolutely. Well, old boy, uh, just to give you a brief summary, it's basically about a main character who was imprisoned for 15 years and suddenly set free. He has no idea why he was captured or why he was let go. And then he follows a path of violence to discover who is responsible. Dun, dun, dun. But old boy is pretty much held like at the pinnacle of revenge films ever made. Mm -hmm. Um, And it has to do with… Oh, never mind. I'm not going to tell you. So anyway… Old boy. Okay. And the next movie is I Saw the Devil. I Saw the Devil. Um, so this is basically… Uh, it's a serial killer who murdered the fiancé of the protagonist. I wrote finance of the <laughs> protagonist. Uh, and the protagonist who is a well-trained secret agent. Um, which is actually a little bit unusual when it comes to vengeance films in Korea. Usually the, the protagonist… Because exacting revenge is just like a very normal, normal. person. Mm-hmm. Anyway, in this case, he's a secret agent. And he pretty much plays a game of catch and release. And uh, he repeats this as a form of punishment with the, the serial killer. And then in the end, the protagonist is the one who becomes obsessed with punishment. And he becomes the person that he despised. Ooh, that's dun, deep. Dun, dun. That is deep. Okay. All right. The next movie is Lady Vengeance. Yeah, Lady Vengeance. Or you might have heard it as Sympathy for Lady Vengeance. You may have heard a similar one called Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. And uh, it is part of kind of the the Vengeance quote-unquote trilogy. Um, But Lady Vengeance, it's basically… This one was interesting Mm because the main character is a woman. Which is also not extremely common in… I mean, a lot of vengeance films, to be honest. Not just in Korea, but especially in Mm -hmm. Korea, right? Anyway, the main character, uh, she had become pregnant when she was in high school, afraid to tell her parents, which we can see as a reflection in Korean society. Um, She turns to a teacher. Here's the power disparity, asking for help. And he instead does something very terrible. And now she is out for revenge. So this was a very interesting case of the display of power disparity. Yes. And side note, this is a very gruesome movie. Because I've seen clips of this as well. I think this is also in like my filmmaking studies. Yeah. Yeah. And then last but certainly not least, and I think… I know I definitely watched this and Mm -hmm. I watched it with you, is Parasite. Yeah, Parasite. Kiseng Chung. So… I mean, we know this is a story of classicism and getting revenge on the wealthy family. Right. Right. Yeah. So uh, these are the different types of movies that have the strong theme or the main theme of revenge Mm -hmm. in it. Yeah. So Korea films, they tend to tap into uh, a well of embroiled resentment. Resentment. Years of suffering at the hands of foreign colonizers, globalization… And other homebred sentiment. Uh, I think when you compare it to well-known revenge films from other countries, it, it ha- you can see there's kind of a, a distinction there. Like uh, maybe Chinese or Japanese and American films, they will focus on violent professions, right? Drug cartel bosses, same. Or the mafia and the godfather, Yakuza, mm-hmm. retired CIA agents like in Taken. But in Korean films, it's usually just ordinary people who are pushed into desperate circumstances. That's why it's a a little bit different, right? Right. There's not a hero aspect to it. That's true. Yeah. So if you think about like the movies that we mentioned, Mm -hmm. uh, minus I guess the… What was it? I Saw the Devil? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's just normal people. And you think about Parasite, it's just that poor family that wants to get vengeance on the, the rich. Right. Essentially. Yeah. I mean, think about some of the popular revenge films in the U.S. John Wick. In the end of John Wick, we watched it. People were literally cheering in the audience. Because it's like, (laughs) we love Keanu. He's awesome. But I mean, if you take a step back and look at the horrible violence he is enacting, you can't really be like, oh, that is perfect justice. And everybody deserved that, right? Or you see Taken. You are like, 
cheering on the main guy. Oh yeah, he rescued his daughters and he also exacted out justice. Mm-hmm. Count of Monte Cristo, gladiator, Kill Bill. Which by the way, I saw a comparison between Kill Bill and Lady Vengeance. The idea of the bride. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that's how rare female protagonists are in revenge films. That even in two separate cultures and countries, they would be, you know, related to each other somehow. Right. Compared. Because there's just so few female uh, main characters in these. But yeah, if you look at like the Western films, a lot of times there, there's kind of a, a, almost like a hero element to it. Sure, yeah. You kind of, you support them and you might feel a sense of gladness at them. Yeah, they're committing horrible acts, but you're like, yeah, that's right. Those people deserved it. Yeah, you can empathize with them. Um, and as they're on their journey for vengeance, I mean, you know, you kind of want that for them mm-hmm. in many ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if that's a good thing or <laughs> right. toxic. Right. That's great. <laughs> right. But I think that's a perfect segue uh, to this question. Yeah. And the question is, why is revenge such a common theme in Korean movies and dramas and, and webtoons? Yeah. So, well, in terms of webtoons, I'll just touch on that briefly because that's not really what I know much about. Mm-hmm. But a lot of them deal with the issue of bullying. People, like students getting back at their bullies. Yeah. And that's a pretty common theme. And we know that bullying is, is a really big issue here. In Korea. Right. Um, if you can just look it up yourself. But yeah, it's it's reached kind of unprecedented heights. Um, or in dramas, there's a lot of petty revenge that's happening all the time. It's a little bit cuter, I guess, than in Korean films. But definitely in movies, we can see vengeance has become a somewhat common theme. And and I would say, it, again, it's more about the, the, like the early 2000s, 2010 era. And I'll refer to that in just a second. But um, in Korean films, revenge is carried out to restore some imaginary balance. You're trying to get your power. Mm-hmm. Um, what's interesting about it is there's not really any catharsis. You might just end feeling like that was dark. Right? <laughs> there's not really forgiveness. There's not, it's not neat, right? It's not tied up with the bow. Like the end, we did it like in Glorious Bastards. In the end, what happens is she gets her revenge. You feel bad in some ways, but on the other hand, you're like, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. They deserved it. And it's neat. It's clean. It happened. It was contained. But it's not that way so much in Korean films. Right. And we even mentioned this before um, in, a, in a previous episode. Like, Korean films a lot of times doesn't have that happy ending aspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's no different from revenge. It's just like, okay, revenge was, was you know, occurred. Yeah. What now? Yeah. Leaves you that <gasps> yes. feeling. Yes. And I, I really think that has to do with Korea's all historically this inability to resolve these injustices done upon the Korean people Mm, in history. That's a good point. In the end, you're just like, I just have to swallow this suffering and deal with it. And and the films reflect that mindset. Right. Yeah. And and again, we'll get into that in just a second. But some themes in Korean revenge movies, it's bullying. Uh, You cannot work because of some reason. Poor living standards. You're disabled. Hyper-competitive mentality. Debt. Police ineffectiveness. Classicism. These are themes that you will see. Not necessarily like, I'm the mafia boss and you shot my mafia father, so I'm going to get back on the other mafias. I mean, you know what I'm referring to there. (laughs) But um, you don't really see that so much in Korean films. It's a little bit grittier, you know? Yeah. And also extremely real. Um, A couple more uh, points when it comes to revenge in cinema is obviously we know that it's become a staple in Korean films. Mm -hmm. Um, But another interesting thing is women are typically sacrificial lambs. Yeah, that's the role they play. Yeah, I think when we were prepping for this, I I made mention of the whole Super Mario and princess, (laughs) right? The princess is always the one captured and is the sacrificial lamb. Wait, wait, but there's a little bit different there. Oh, yeah? Not only is Super Mario cartoon in a game. But (laughs) she… So the idea of the power disbalance in that terms of like the hero and the princess versus sacrificial lambs in Korea, I think it's very different because in that terms, it's like the princess, she serves as as a way, a reason for him to do these great acts of glory to rescue the princess and to prove himself as a man. Voila! And then he finally gets her. Awesome! They live happily ever after. However, in the Korean films, the the women play this role of having either, even been killed or taken away or in some way something bad happens to them, which makes the male protagonist take a dark turn ah, as yeah, opposed yeah, yeah, to yeah. proving himself as a man. He's almost losing himself as a human to get back. And, and so her, her death or suffering is kind of like uh, the, 
it propels him forward, but I wouldn't necessarily say in a positive manner. Oh, okay. Yeah, because obviously Princess Peach, she's still alive. <laughs> she's still, <laughs> she's fine with her mushroom there's friends. Still, yeah, there's still the hope of rescuing her, but I guess as a sacrificial lamb, yeah. literally death is involved many times. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so uh, so here, here's, this is where it kind of, takes a dark turn. But, <laughs> if it hadn't yet. <laughs> right, right. So a lot of times in these these films, like obviously they're fictional most of the time, if not, you know, mm-hmm. most of the time, I guess, all the time, <laughs> if not all the time. Because um, uh-huh. I don't know if there's some films that are based on, you know, reality. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, obviously they're fiction, but it's it's almost like the desire or the desire for vengeance and, and retribution or, mm. or revenge in the film is coupled with the dark desires that's reflected in the the actual public, mm-hmm. but something that the public obviously can't act on. Yeah. So it's just something that's like, oh, I wish I could, you know, get revenge, yes. but I can't do it. So I'm going to watch this film and it almost is like, it validates my dark feelings. Yeah. But the thing yeah. that they, I do admit they do a great job is at the end, they don't celebrate it. Sure. They're not like, hey, this is what happens to you. And here's a good thing. If you had revenge, it, it never really does that. Mm-hmm. But like how we mentioned the themes earlier, like bullying or, or poor living standards, uh, this hyper-competitiveness and debt and those kind of things, we can see that very clearly in Korean films, right? Um, man, I wish I could talk more about like the actual movies themselves, but anyway. Uh, yeah, so we have this feeling of uneven power and helplessness. So personal revenge is enacted. You can even see in like one of I guess it was Bong Joon-ho, one of his earlier films, Memories of a Murder. Mm-hmm. You see what's so incredibly frustrating is the ineffectiveness of the police to to pull out this, um, what do you call it? Was that like, oh my gosh, what's the word? Like search? Examination? Okay. Of the case? In- investigation? Yes, investigation. Mm-hmm. Right? Because you cannot rely on that. Oh, they're so ineffective. Personal, you have to take it in your own hands. Um, and so that is, you know, a common theme with these revenge films. But the guy who wrote this uh, article, a study on the cultural representation of revenge in contemporary Korean cinema, he says that in about 2010, way more Korean revenge movies became the central subject matter, right? So it was about revenge. And so many of those films started coming out at that time. You can ask, was it just because it's trendy? Like Korean loves to jump on the trends. You know, maybe one revenge movie came out and everyone was like, that's awesome. I'm going to make one too. Or is it actually reflecting how Korea is changing. It's making you consider how are we as a culture changing? Mm -hmm. Um, And these films reflect how we feel now as a society. Um, Because it is true, like in cinema, art form is a way that really connects with people. You watch it, you feel it viscerally, you can be a part of it, you, you grow to empathize or hate certain characters. So in a way, these revenge films really resonate with its audience. Yeah, I mean, that's probably why they do become so successful because the audience can Mm. resonate with it and relate to it. Yeah. I mean, a good example is when Spike Lee, I think, remade Old Boy for Western audiences. Definitely, definitely. Was it Spike Lee? I think it was Spike Lee. Oh, okay. Yeah. Definitely did not reach the top of best revenge flicks ever made. Wow. Yet Korean Old Boy does. Hmm. Okay. I got to look into that. I didn't know it was Spike Lee. Let's see. Old Boy… Spike Lee. Yeah. Old wow, Boy Spike really? Lee 2013. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it's just definitely wasn't the same thing. Uh, Spike, come on, bro. Come on. Anyway. Well, okay. So all <laughs> of these elements that interconnect with these Korean revenge flicks is this feeling of uh, people have like this helplessness. What does that sound like? Well, it sounds like something we talked about not too long ago. And that is this whole concept of Han, yeah. which is very specific to… Uh, Korea, but not just Korea. De- definitely like people who have this sense of maybe suppression mm. or even oppression. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we did a great episode on this, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> if I say so myself, some time ago <laughs> um, that I think a lot of people actually related quite strongly with. So I would recommend listening to our episode on Han for sure. Yeah, definitely. But let's just recap real quick, high level. Yeah. Um, so Han is really, and it's hard to put into English, uh, but it's really like an expression of grief. Um, sometimes it could be rage mm. and maybe the sense of vengeance. Um, again, that is specific to Korean culture, at least with this specific word. But mm. these same feelings are reflected in different cultures mm-hmm. as well. 
Yeah. So um, it's not merely a feeling, but it's a, it's a concept with a distinct history and political inclination in the 20th century in South Korea. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. yeah well, what, what were you gonna say? No, no, I was just going to say, I mean, if you look at, especially in the 20th century, just all the events that unfolded from the very beginning, mm-hmm. you know, with the occupation of uh, uh, Japan mm-hmm. and Korea, all the way up to just the dictatorship type of, yeah. um, you know, authoritarian governments mm-hmm. of, you know, the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess even the 80s. Yes. Like you could, you could totally understand this or better understand the concept of Han yeah. within the Korean people. Yeah, totally. Um, Han is not, I would say, like some ancient concept that has been with Korea since the beginning of time. I would actually feel like it's a bit more modern. Um, yeah, it has something to do with the Japanese colonization and then the post-war. And then how I mentioned earlier, you know, how the personal feelings of injustice can embroil boil over and then try to take down the government because you feel like the external justice is not matching the personal justice. Mm, yeah. That happened exactly in the 70s and the 80s when Han was is sort of weaponized as a way to incite rage and revenge among the minjong, like the regular people, to rise up against the totalitarian government. So we can see that Han is not always just this thing that you suffer in silence. It can also be used to enact revenge against those who are keeping you down. Right. Yeah. And so revenge films obviously allow viewers to release this Han that you are feeling. Or at least like what you said, be able to watch a character who is acting out on their Han in a way you wish you could. Right. Yeah. Uh, The endings of Korean revenge films, they don't leave you feeling very good. You also don't feel like justice was exacted evenly. Um, And many times… Everyone's just dead. <laughs> or, like, <laughs> or you just can't escape the justice system. Yeah. Right? Um, and this is really true to the Korean notion of Han. You are incapable of restoring the balance of justice. So you just got to internalize and accept it as part of the human condition. Right. Which is really just like this negative feedback loop because the more you internalize it, the more that feeling mm. builds up. Mm. Oh my. Is yeah. that then that does get passed down and that becomes intergenerational trauma? Oh, yeah, for sure. Wow. For sure. Yeah. Something that was interesting that this author had noted in his article, Korean films do not explore the idea of morality in vengeance. Mm. So the characters are not really consumed with the idea of, is this the right or wrong thing to do in terms of morality? Right. I guess in Western films, you do, you can see like the protagonist who is maybe seeking out vengeance, maybe wrestling with the idea of good and evil. Like, is this a good thing or, you know, is this Mm. right? Mm -mm. But I guess in Korean films, they don't- I guess not. Really do that, huh? Yeah. Well, uh, I think we already, I guess we don't really need to go over Han too much. I would say, check out the article that we- not the article, the The episode. Yeah, Yeah. check out the episode Mm -hmm. that we did. This will give a a much better idea of Han. Um, But in short, basically like Koreans don't know how to wisely quell and vent anger according to Dr. Woo Jong-min, who's a psychiatrist in Seoul. He says Koreans have learned how to compete at schools and workplaces, but never learned how to relax and vent their frustrations. If there's an ineffective justice system, there's cultural aspects of self-blaming, shame, a fear of failure. Here in Korea, you might have a relatively low standard of living, but you have this incredible need to keep up with appearances. People are living right on top of each other. And you're trying to secure your place in life and hold on to your own power. And by doing that, you have to make other people think that you are better than them. You are more glamorous or harder working. Uh, and that makes will affect your mental health and your personality. It's exhausting, competitive, oppressed by the system. You might feel like you can't speak up. And then you have to look good the whole time you're doing this. There's <laughs> that extra cherry on top. Yeah. So yeah. all of these things, you might… And then if a wrong is done against you, you might say, yeah, I forgive mm. you. Everything's fine. Because you want to stay part of the social harmony. But inside, if you're still very angry and you can't do anything about it because you have a fear of being socially excluded. And this is what can cause this maelstrom of anger and han inside you, which can explode in revenge and it's easier to do it in a film than in real life. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. That gives me so much anxiety just hearing all of that. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I guess it is better for that to happen in fiction than in real life. Yeah. You're absolutely right. We, we don't want to see this in reality. 
But what are some cases of it happening in reality? Oh man. So yeah, let's let's talk about this whole idea or concept of revenge in Korean politics. Mm-hmm. Now, this is again reality. So um there and I don't understand too much about Korean politics. Mm. I think you it's probably confusing. understand a little bit more than I do. For sure. But um, yeah, there's this cycle of revenge yeah. from my understanding. Really my understanding from <laughs> my conversation from <laughs> What you. I just told you. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And so um, instead of like these politicians um, focusing on fixing what should be fixed now or fixing problems in society, mm-hmm. they seem to be a little bit more fixated on getting back at the opposite party or the yeah. previous administration saying, hey, you need, you know, you need to have justice, right? Yes, right. Or you need to go to jail or whatever. <laughs> you know, that seems to be um yeah, and I and I, I saw you, that you'd kinda- make a great politician <laughs> on the stump. You're like, you you need Justice, Justice. go to jail. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so like we just had the presidential uh, race uh, that just ended a couple of weeks ago. And yeah, I had a chance to just witness that and experience that because like all the parties were gruesome to each other. And just like really just… It was so low. Yeah, they were threatening each other and they were trying to expose each other. And insulting each other's wives. Oh man. Hey, you want to know what's weird though while we're having this conversation? Mm -hmm. We call it the cycle of revenge in Korean politics. But this is exactly what is prevalent in the US politics too. Demanding revenge instead of trusting the democratic process. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we see that in Korea. It is not uncommon here. But a a French scholar named Guy Sormon said uh, in an interview with Tonga Ilbo that… He said Korean politics is engulfed in revenge. People are obsessed with putting the former president in jail. I mean, it is no lie that pretty much isn't like every president ever in Korea has either been imprisoned after they became president or they were assassinated. Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not too sure about that. Yeah. But I, obviously I know that Park Geun-hye, um, she well, she just got out of prison after right, four years. Right. But yeah, she was in prison. But that was like due to her you know, the mm. scandal and mm. her being in office, she was impeached and all that. But yeah. Yeah. If you're going to become president in Korea, I don't foresee a very bright future for you afterwards because it seems almost like there is some terrible downfall. And a lot of that has to do with this cycle of revenge. There's this atmosphere of civil war that hinders the functioning of democracy because many politicians carry with them a regional pride. And so they use that to bolster up maybe anger in certain parts of the country or trying to get voters from certain parts of the country because they they stoke that sense of pride. Like, oh, I'm from your area. Therefore, we hate people from that area, right? And so it is true. This kind of feeling of like this, this internal conflict. Uh, people are focused on getting rid of people from previous demonstrations. Demonstrations. I meant to say administrations. <laughs> um, saying like, oh, they're so corrupt. They're so corrupt. That person's corrupt. We need to get them. We need to get back at them. Instead of trying to fix the system itself mm-hmm. that allowed that corruption to happen. Um, and you can see this happens in films as well. Because democracy… or Because in the films, they're projecting these traumas. These cultural traumas of social change. Um, and we see it happening in politics. The guy ends up with saying, democracy is not about the exercise of power. But respect for the other side, which is not seen in Korean politics, which is a lovely thing and kind of ironic thing to say as a French guy, you know, seeing what's going on in politics over there in Europe (laughs) as well. But uh, it is quite true. And you're right. Looking at the recent race, we see many conservatives hold a huge grudge against the quote other side because of the impeachment of previous Park Geun-hye. So yeah, so it makes you wonder like, oh, okay, so you're, you're too busy getting revenge instead of actually making the country better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And let's let's take a little bit of a lighter spin mm-hmm. on revenge. <laughs> yeah. And let's talk about this concept that I didn't even know was a thing. So interesting, right? But it makes sense because I could see it now, now yeah. that uh, this concept was introduced. And that is the concept of revenge spending. Right. Revenge spending. <laughs> yeah. So I never thought that you could like revenge spend to get vengeance <laughs> or feel like to, you need to get justice. But, and it really isn't a healthy thing. No, it's no, not no. It's a good thing at all. It's a terrible thing. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So according to uh, one of the media publications, Korea Jungang Daily, uh, and I quote, young people take revenge on the pandemic <laughs> with luxury purchases. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it feels, I'm going to stick it to the pandemic. Yeah, I know, but isn't Louis that Vuitton. like… <laughs> right, Louis Vuitton is going to really fix this. But I mean, it, it is… It's weird, right? It's a kind of weird… In one sense, it's pitiful. Because it's like, this is this is my way of proving the pandemic mm-hmm. can't keep me down. But in a, in a way, you're just harming yourself by wasting money 
on an item you can't afford. Right. Or getting into debt. You know, if you right. can't afford it, then maybe you're using a credit card or, or whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. I think part of this does, maybe not directly, but maybe be in, impacted by this classicism because when you think about luxury brand items, it's only the wealthy can afford it. Right. Only the rich can have them. But now people are willing to eat lamyun for two years just so they can afford this new Chanel bag because they want to splurge on it. It's their way of saying like, hey, I, I could, you know, I could have this too. I don't have to be just in your class in order to have it. See, I can have it too. Right. It's, it's kind of a weird psychology behind yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's another uh, potential like show of power. Like, hey, mm. I'm upgrading my life. Mm-hmm. I can afford this. So I'm in this class. You mm-hmm. know, they don't say that, but that's what they're that's perhaps what it's trying showing. to display. Yeah. And we know like here in Korea too, like your appearances is is very important. Um, and why we bring this up is because uh, there was an uptick of this revenge spending since the pandemic, which is directly diametrically opposed, I suppose is how you would say it, to what's going on in Europe, Western Europe and the US. Luxury brand and spending over there dropped dramatically. But here in Korea, it went up. That's interesting. It's very bizarre, right? Yeah, that is bizarre. Yeah, so maybe this is type of revenge people are getting. Okay, well, um, why don't we just wrap this up then? Okay. With a great quote from <laughs> my favorite person, Nietzsche, <laughs> who said, He who fights with monsters should be careful, lest he thereby become a monster. And if thou gaze long into an abyss, the abyss will also gaze into thee. So the desire to get even, to act out perfect justice, it will not bring you relief. It just transfers that debt to another person. And it perpetuates the circle of anger and resentment because I might deliver justice hoping to get this moral equilibrium according to my sense of personal justice. But you might feel like that wasn't exact because your sense of personal justice doesn't match mine. And there's never going to be that perfect equilibrium. And I might want to get back at you Exactly. Because you will feel like, wait a minute, but but your revenge against me was a little bit worse than what I did to you. Therefore, I got to get back, right? Right. And so that is why you're, you're rarely ever going to get perfect justice in this. And so seeking revenge will just prolong the hostility and the original offense. Uh, do you want to read the quote from Pak chan So he is the well-known Korean vengeance film director. So he said in a 2004 interview, a tormentor has to give up every pleasure and comfort in her everyday life. However, vengeance also brings another kind of pleasure, which is very dark and leads to nothing in the end. Even if the tormentor fulfills his revenge and kills the victim, he's not able to say bring back his lost years, nor can his dead wife return. This paradox in vengeance, which channels all your energy and passion into such meaningless things, attracts me the most. Yes. So in the end, Korean films on revenge reflect just what we are feeling, this han, this hwapyong, this inside anger. But in the end, we will never get the perfect justice that we desire, and we will just have to suffer it out anyway. And that is the dark truth of Korean revenge films. just get along. Can we all just get along? Let's just love each other. Yeah. Well, if you guys want to check out these films, not going to stop you to do that. I will just give you a heads up that they are quite violent and dark. So prepare yourself with something light afterwards to enjoy. To to shake your mind of, you know, the crazy talks of vengeance. But uh, I hope this was very informative to you. It was very informative to me while I was reading it. I I really enjoyed it. Um, Yeah, and it, it gave me a lot of good insight onto perhaps some of the underlying anger that might exist inside the Korean people. So when people talk about like the Korean temper, I don't really think it has to do with like, oh, my genetics. There's far more behind that. And so maybe that can help you understand yourself better or maybe your family members a little bit better. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Is there anything else you wanted to add, Cooks? No, I think I'm good on my end. Cool. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening. You guys can always get in touch with us at thehappyproject at gmail.com. We are The Happy Project. Happy Project.